Thank you for listening to the Fearless LA podcast. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Anybody a millennial in this room? Raise your hand. Come on. So let's see how much of our audience is actually millennial. Let's see. Okay. And then Gen Z. Gen Z. What, uh, right there. We got one. Okay. Two. Or how, how many Generation X do we have? Generation X. Um, baby boomers. Okay. Uh, something I didn't mention. Raise your hand. You're like, I don't even know what. Anyways, I, I think, um, you know, this, this word uh, that I'm calling this series adulting. Um, it popped into my spirit the, the, uh, while we were in the last series, Royalty. And I just, you know, I feel like um, I, I don't want to just preach to you messages to be a preacher or to, to speak. This, you know, I, I really could give a rip about speaking, like doing this. This is not like my lifelong dream to get up and have a crowd and talk. And really, I, I want to shape a group of people into their destiny, fashion them with the word. Paul, Paul called it the foolishness of preaching. How, how silly is this, what we're doing right now? This is, this is foolish. That a whole bunch of people would come listen to a guy with some weird pants on and a too tight of shirt, uh, you know, speak a message with his hair all messed up, and then somehow that message would help you in your life. And I have no connection to some of you. I've never met you. We have not even hung out. Some of us are not the same culture. We're not even the same gender. But, but somehow this message would, would be injected in your life and you would leave different, different than a TED Talk, different than a YouTube speech, different than a tweet, different than that the foolishness of preaching. That this is, this is pretty foolish what we're doing here. But God chose the foolishness of preaching to transform us. He, he chose that, that men and women would get up and they would read from his word and they would unpack it. And so, you know, as I'm preaching, as I'm thinking of series, I'm not just trying to get a crowd. I'm trying to take the crowd that I have and create a family. And I'm trying to take that family and create an army and create sons and daughters and, and through the word, get us to where we're going. I feel a lot like Moses traveling through the desert. You know, we, 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 we all said yes to getting out of where we were. But there's this in-between on the way to the promised land. And there's this working in our life of getting these things dealt with, delivered, pressed through. And then, and then we go back to life and it gets crazy again. Then we come back. And, and really, this, us coming together is really about us getting our head right. Getting, getting the words right. It's amazing how one negative word could like just really affect us. You know, I had all these positive words and then one word, someone's like, you know, and, and, and maybe if it's, it's even someone that didn't mean it. It is kind of uh, flippantly said, hey, did you ever think about this? And I was like, I was already thinking about that, but I was hoping no one else was thinking about that. And so because you said it, maybe everyone's th- and all of a sudden this one word robs you of sleep, robs you of life. You know, maybe it was a word when you were younger, maybe it was loser, maybe it was failure, maybe it was never be good enough, maybe it was you'll be exactly like your dad, whatever it was, how, how powerful was that negative word? So, so the power of that negative word could literally shift the whole course of your life. So, so now, let's, now let's take, see, words have power even when they're negative. But what could happen if today these words that you opened your ears and you opened your heart and you received these words in, these words of life, what could happen to your entire course of your life today in this one service if you just grab a hold of one word? And so 
I take, I take this very serious. When I, when I get up here, I'm not here to waste your time. I'm not trying to just take some time on a clock and have people cheer me on and I feel better about it at the end because someone said amen. Uh, th- this is not my lifelong goal. My lifelong goal is to give you words that will transform your life and unroute and reroute where you're going and give you the confidence and courage. My hope is not that you leave this place defeated. It's that you leave this place victorious with Jesus taking up residence on the inside. And I get excited about that. Some people come and like, this guy's like, is he on like 10, uh, you know, coffees a day? Like, we need to limit this guy. He's too excited, you know? He's very hype-driven. And I'm like, I am just, I'm not just hyperactive as a person. I'm excited about this word because I know what it's doing for me. And if it can do this for me, I know what it can do for you. Because I know there's a lot better people in this room than me. There's people that have great calls on their life. You're going to stand on the shoulders of, of me and my wife, and we're going to push you to the next, next phase of your life. But I'm believing that this word would catapult you. These series would do something in your life. This is why it matters that we are still here, why we're showing up again, because we need this at least weekly. We probably need this daily, or for me, I need this minutely. I need, I need another word. I need God to speak to me. I need, I need fresh revelation. And, and so, you know, this is so important that we gather together. But I wanted to call this series Adulting. And this, this word just, uh, you know, just keeps sticking out to me. I, you know, sometimes when I'm praying, okay, what's next? We're talking about royalty. And I'm really trying to prepare us for what God's doing. We're, we're about to get a building. We have a building. But we're about to move into our building. And I really believe that this first wave of people that God has sent us in this church, this church is almost six years old, September will be six years. God has told me that he's sending us leaders that lead leaders. And so if you're here right now, you're a part of that. Maybe you didn't feel like a leader, but welcome to, to your life, your destiny. And so God is sending us leaders that, that are drawn to this place. And with those leaders, we're going to see a city change, a city transformed. And, and really the, the building is the house that God wants to do in it. And so all these messages, I'm trying to get us to a place of wholeness so that we can be those leaders that we're called to be. And so as I'm thinking of this word, I'm thinking, well, we, you know, adulting, not, you know, and my wife even said, well, what about the adults? And I said, well, have you ever met an adult that's still learning how to be an adult? (laughs) And I raised my hand. I said, do you know, you know, you're looking at him right here. And she said, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That we all, in a spiritual sense, are adulting. I was at a bookstore. You guys heard of those, right? Seen those? They've all gone away, but... Amazon started doing them again because there's just something about a real book. And so I went in the bookstore, and right there in the middle of the bookstore was this book, and it said adulting. I didn't even pick up the book. It was just like almost like God was saying, I want you to bring this to your group. And so I really feel like this word is from the Lord for us. And this word, I think a lot of times this word can be kind of like a put down or like a joke. You know, know, it's on the Urban Dictionary as, you um, you know, she showed up. She showed up on time for work today, hashtag adulting, right? I mean, you know, clean the house once in a month, hashtag getting good at this thing, adulting, right? And so we kind of use it as a put down when someone finally does the bare minimum of what it means to be an adult. But I'm not titling this to put you down. I'm titling this because, you know, I think, I think in our, our world, we have certain things we think are adulting, right? So let me, let me just ask this. 
throw out some things all over this room that something that you you think is adulting. Like just yell it out. Like so, paying your bills, paying your own bills. Like all of them, just your phone bill, right? Just I'm paying my phone bill. Come on, Jesus. You got to start somewhere. Uh, you know, it was a long time before I paid my credit card bill. But what about paying more than the minimum payment? That's adult. When you get like, it's like $15 and you pay 20 woo, you are getting in there. You're like, I sacrificed five tacos for adding a little bit extra. What, what else? Anybody else? Laundry. Someone said, when you do laundry, I mean, that is, a, I'm still, I'm still struggling with that one. Amen. My wife could, you know, what, what else? What else? Meal prepping. That's another level. That's like a hashtag life's over. I mean, that's what that is. Anybody else? Anybody got one? Look. You have actual health insurance. You're like, this is, you can actually go to the real doctor. I mean, you're just like, he's like, how long has it been? Well, a long time. Right? The dentist. You go to the dentist. That is hashtag adulting. Parenting. You're learning how to be a parent. Yes, that, that still thing. But in the kingdom, I, I think you might find this strange. None of these things are listed as adulting. And so can we read it? Can we, can we look at it? Because I think some of these are the result of kingdom adulting. But when we talk about adulting, I want you to get mixed up. Because in the kingdom, becoming an adult in the kingdom looks quite different. It's, it's funny how uh, when, when you're a kid... You really want to be an adult. Like, like I, don't, I don't know if you did, but I, I like was, couldn't wait to be an adult. In fact, I snuck out several times in my adolescence and stole my dad's car and just drove it just around the block, just out the window. Yeah, that's your pastor. Praise God. Amen. And uh, at least I didn't steal someone else's car. Come on. <laughs> and, and, you know, my son, he's, he's five, five years old. And yesterday he goes, Dad, so when am I going to get a cell phone? I said, you're not going to get a cell phone. Like, till you're like, I said, son, I didn't have a cell phone until I was 24. Well, they didn't exist until I was 24, but uh, I didn't have a cell phone until I had a pager, you know, at 16. And, and, he, and he said, well, Dad, I, I, you know, Jakey has a cell phone. It's this other kid in Fearless Kids. Jakey has a cell phone. I said, what happens if someone calls you? And he said, I won't answer. I said, well, what if you do? He goes, I won't talk to him. I said, well, what if it's a bad person? He goes, well, I won't listen to everything they say. I said, son, it's funny how when you're a child, there's nothing more than you want than to adult. Isn't it funny how when you finally become adult, you don't want to be an adult? <laughs> Isn't it funny how when you finally become the age of an adult, you're like, I really wish I could be a kid again. I really wish I didn't have to cook my own meals. I can just yell hungry and someone would feed me. I can poop in my pants if I want. I mean... It'd be nice. I, I can, I can, I can, you know, when we're a kid, we're like, I want to stay up late. But when, when we're an adult, we're like, I don't want to get up. Right? We got to stay up late, but we don't want to get up. But in the kingdom, adulting looks different. You ready for this? Because I feel like there's a group of people that's ready to step beyond immaturity and step into what it looks like to be mature believers. Amen? First Corinthians chapter 13 um, says this. And you know, I think, I think also this is, people don't like Christians. You didn't know, you, I don't know if you know that people like, like if you go out and you just have your Bible in your hands at a coffee shop, you're going to get some weird stares. 
You have to have some courage to be a believer. And the reason why they don't like Christians is because most Christians haven't adulted yet. They love Jesus. Think about it. They love Jesus. Why? Because Jesus didn't remain immature. So how do we shift this is not by blaming Christians and being mad with the world at Christians. How we change this is we we step into maturity from immaturity and we look more like our Jesus. Who's ready to do that? Come on. First Corinthians chapter 13. I love this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. Come on, somebody say speak. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I felt as a child. Come on, somebody say, I feel. Come on, I speak, I feel, and I thought as a child. Now that I became, it says a man, but I just put adult in there. Now that I became an adult, I have put away childish things. Now this is, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. This is Paul. I mean, if there's anybody that's a man of God, I mean, man of God, it's Paul. But Paul said, look, I, I too had to discover that there were childish things. In, I too had to adult. I too had to make a conscious choice, effort to put not my laundry in the machine, not my money in the bills. I, I had to make a choice to kingdom adult. And how it looks to kingdom adult is found in my speech, in my feelings, and in my thought life. I mean, we're working overtime to pay our bills and be professional adults, to look nice, to be responsible. And God says, you're missing the picture. You can do all those things and still be like a child. But God said, I want you to have childlike faith. I want you to have childlike obedience. I want you to have childlike peace. I want you to have childlike joy. But I don't want you to be childish. I put away childish things. And those childish things were how I talked, how I felt, and how I thought. No wonder our generation has been feeling all these things. We want to serve a God of our feelings. If we don't think it, it must not be true. Our speech is all messed up. Why? Because the enemy is trying to dwarf the army of God into being immature. I'm always discovering in myself immaturities in my speech, in my feelings, and my thoughts. And can I tell you, almost 40 years old, I'm still discovering that I have childish ways inside your pastor. The guy who stands up here and preaches to others, I'm still discovering things and patterns and things the enemy has slipped into my life. And I'm not going to be beat up by him anymore. I'm going to move on into maturity in Christ Jesus and I've discovered it's even more as new things are introduced into our world, social media, it pulls out even more immaturities. 
and more insecurities. And the battle rages stronger because God saved the best for last. And that is you. God saved the strongest for the last days. And that is you. And so if the enemy sees the strongest coming, he's turning up the heat, trying to cause more immaturity in the mature believers. But we're not going to settle for immaturity. We're going to move on from glory to glory. Look, no longer are we going to say, hey, I might have to part the whiskers to get the bottle in. I'm looking for real meat. I'm looking to eat the word. I want some concepts that are difficult for me to gravel with. Being an adult in the kingdom is a lot of work. Receiving Jesus, salvation, it was easy. I mean, I just at an altar where Jesus said, do you want it? I said, yeah. And then it happened. My sin was cast as far as the east is from the west. He came. He died. He suffered. He went through it. But discipleship, maturing from a spiritual baby. I got born again. But to become a man, that's been a lot of work. It's going to take me to be a part of this. Many of us are waiting on God. Let me tell you this. God is waiting on you. Because this word says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I felt like a child. I thought like a child. And it was okay. Because what? I was a child. Now that I've become an adult. So notice this. I I think sometimes we read this wrong. We think that just because Paul became an adult the childish things ran away from him. Just because I'm 23, my three-year-old tendencies ran away. Just because I'm 32, my 23-year-old tendencies ran away. How I thought then is not here now. No, Paul says quite the contrary. When I became a man and I was there, but I had something I became a man with. According to this, I became an adult but in that place, I had to actually, no one else could do it for me. My pastor, my, my friends, my family, it was no one else's fault. I was in this place and I was here as a man, but I was still drinking milk. I was still thinking like a child. I was still thinking like the hurt, wounded five-year-old me. I was still feeling like that kid on the playground that got made fun of. And I had to put away those things that did not no longer belong in my life. I had to remove them. Look, you're going to have to be a part of the story. God gives us raw things, and he expects us to mold something out of it. Your shaping and molding is not upon Jesus. It's upon us. God never made a chair. Not one chair. God God never got up there and designed a chair and thought, well, it's going to be a luxurious chair. God never made a chair. God never made or designed a car. We could put all kinds. Oh, God gave the man. No, God gave man steel in the earth. God gave man trees in the forest. And God knew that you and I needed to be a part of the story. God knew that he made us in his image and his likeness. That we are like God in the way that he is creative. And he is ingenuitive. And he has thoughts that change his worlds. And God said, if you're going to be like me, if you're going to reflect me, if you're going to be in the fullness of who I've called you to be, you're going to have to be a part of the equation. So I'm not going to give you a chair. I'm going to give you a tree. 
And if you come to me, I'll give you the thought of the thing I want you to build out of the tree. I'll give you the raw materials, not the finished product. Let me let you know this. Many of us, at least my life, I don't know about you, but I've been waiting for the finished product. When are you going to do it? I'm just waiting on you, Lord. And God says, no, no, that word to wait on the Lord and your strength's going to be renewed is more like a waiter. Come on in, sir. I've been, I've, been, I've been molding this piece of furniture. I had a tree. Thank you for the tree. Thank you for the raw product. I was so creative. I saw a, I saw a bench. And not just any bench. I, I carved it and created. All of a sudden, you start looking like your creator. God saw chaos and he called order. He, he had the raw materials of what the earth would be. And he spoke it into existence. You have been given the raw materials of you. I know you're thinking about your job and your destiny and your dreams. The greatest, the greatest, uh, the, the greatest invention you could ever be a part of is the, the place of discipleship inside of yourself, of growing in maturity inside. God gives you a messed up, for me, messed up, lazy, fearful, shameful. He took my sin. But the shame was still trying to hang around. He took, he took my anger, but the fear was still lingering. Around. He goes, I'm giving you the raw materials. Can you work with it? And I had to get on the bus and be a part of the program. And daily, it's a day. Look, look, healthy people go to counselors. Sick people stay away. Healthy people get wisdom. Dumb people stay away from it. Look, this is the word of God. This, we are a part of shaping our life. we got to be a part of more than washing our clothes. we got to part, be a part of more than hashtag I showed up on time. we got to be more a part of, of our discipleship, who we are becoming as men and women of God. we got to take some passion for this. we got to care more about what we're clothed with in the spirit than what we're clothed with in the natural. We're so concerned about all that stuff that we miss the greater point in our life is to be shaped into the image of our Jesus. That when people see us, they see that Jesus in us. How does that happen? Through, through molding and shaping and crushing and perplexing on every side. I'm the jar. What is a jar of clay except for to sit on a wheel and be spun till it feels like life's going to fall apart. And then the hands of God come in and hold the jar in place and punching and breaking and marring and fire. And this is what God does to our life, to adult. Is anybody ready to adult in this house? And the first place that I want to start is your thinking, your thought life. Because however you thinketh, King James Version, you are. So who you are right now is determined by how you think. So if we're going to fully adult, in other words, we're going to step into the fullness of why Jesus died for me. We're going to have to put away childish thinking. One thought. How powerful is one thought? What if today you just got one new thought? What if today you just grabbed a hold of one God thought for your life? I mean, for me, every time God's given me a God thought, some of it I'm still working out with fear and trembling 20 years later. I mean, one God thought will explode your entire life. One encounter with a God thought on your life. I know you have a thousand thoughts of who you think you are, but God comes in and unravels it all with one thought. 
Jeremiah who's afraid, who's running, who's hiding. God says, who are you? You you don't need to be afraid. Who is it that he touches his mouth? He transforms. Jeremiah becomes a prophet. He uproots and tears down and destroys. All because God gave him a thought. Moses, on the backside of a desert with sheep, given up on his destiny, has failed time and time again, has gotten the ability to live in the palace and did nothing with it. God comes to him, gives him a new thought. Who gave man his mouth? I have called you. I have chosen you. One thought could transform. One thought. That's all you have to grab a hold of today is one thought. One thought. Everything begins with one thought. It doesn't begin with one action. It begins with one thought. I know, I know you feel like you need to move. No, you need to think. You, need, it's not, you don't need to do anything different. You need to think different. Because if you keep doing without thinking, you'll keep doing what you've always done. And will remain childish instead of childlike. When we come childlike to God, we start thinking different. Did you know that fearless was a thought? All of you here, the other services, the, us moving our whole life. It was just one day, I was just having a normal day, and all of a sudden God puts this thought. What if you planted a church in L.A. with your band? That thought messed me up for the next five years and still is messing me up to this day. I'm a country boy from Galt, California, great American little town. I used to shoot guns in my backyard. I had pigs that I raised, and God calls me to L.A. with one thought. What could God do in your life with one thought? Fearless is a thought. Mm. You are one thought away from breakthrough. You are one thought away from being who you've always dreamed of being. You are one thought away from becoming an adult in the kingdom. You are one thought away from moving from, I don't want the bottle anymore, to bring me the filet mignon. I'm believing for a group of people that want some, want some Brazilian barbecue kind of, kind of Jesus. They, they said, bring out the meat and put it on the swords. I'm flipping the card over to green. I, I need some people like that that are sick and tired of being sick and tired and aren't waiting for anybody else to come. Say, God, let me be the adult in my family. Let me be the adult in my workplace. Let me be the adult in my generation. God, I want an adult in the kingdom. You're one thought away from that business that God wants you to start. You're one thought away from saving your marriage. You're one thought away from healing your relationships. You are one thought away from forgiveness, someone that's hurt you your whole life. You are one thought away. All you got to do is say, God, I don't need money. I don't need a car. I don't need a house. Just give me a thought. If you give me a thought, I could be in the prison and it will feel like a palace. Why? Because... Joseph, with the coat of many colors, was in the prison, but he already had a thought. God had already told him, you will rule over your brothers. And he knew, even in the prison, the thought couldn't be taken away from him. God, give me a thought. I could be sick, but give me a thought of healing. I could be broke, but give me a thought of wholeness. I could be alone, but give me a thought of family. One thought. I just need one thought. Change my thinking. As a man thinketh, he is. With one thought, you can move. With one thought, you can evolve. With one thought, you can change your life. Fearless Conference was a thought. Hundreds of people came. A hundred different pastors. 150 people baptized. Because one crazy day, while sitting at Earth Cafe, God said, what if you did a conference? And I said, I don't know, God. And I got afraid to tell anyone because it didn't make sense. Can I tell you, a lot of times the thoughts of God are not going to make sense. It's okay. They're adult thoughts put into a child's mind. God 
wants to grow you. One thought. It was a thought for us to get a building, and guess what? We got one. It took five years for that thought to be developed, but I couldn't lay it down. I couldn't put it away. No matter how good this was, God said, I got something for you. I got a house for you. I got a place you can call home. And we held on to that thought, and we sowed into that thought, and we believed for that thought. And guess what? We're going to be living in that thought. What could happen if today you started thinking different? Don't let the devil hold you in your mind. Let him hold you in your finances. Let him hold you in your body. Let him hold you back in your house. But you keep on thinking. You keep on dreaming. You keep on believing. You keep on saying, God, I want some God thoughts in my life. I don't want Jeremy thoughts. I don't want pastor thoughts. I don't want leader thoughts. I want God thoughts. When God starts thinking, planets are formed. When God starts thinking, man came into be. When God starts thinking, fish of every color, size, the smells of coffee and donuts. Oh, come on. Some, when God starts thinking, things start shifting. I want some of those God thoughts in my life. Use my mind. This is why God says, I want to renew your mind. I want to give you the mind of Christ. Your mind is soil. Plant. God thoughts in the soil. Mm, God whispers and changes your life. Mm. If you think you can get up, you can. If you think you can't, you won't. You're right on both realms. It's not what they think. It's not what he thinks. It's not what she thinks. It's not what they think. It's what you think that matters. It doesn't matter what thoughts are coming at you. As long as they don't live in you, they don't transform you. The moment you let their thoughts get in your head is when you become what they say about you. So I don't know about you, but you didn't make me. You didn't create me. You think what you want about me, but I'm going to live off of his thoughts in front of you and reveal to you that this is what adulting looks like. This is what freedom looks like. This is what joy looks like. This is what peace looks like. I'm in the midst of the chaos, but I'm thinking different. Watch out when a man or a woman of God starts thinking. The devil starts getting nervous. Alarms start going off in hell. Things start shaking when you start thinking. You might be in a 300 square foot apartment, but you start thinking different about that place. You start thinking different about your job. You start thinking different about your family. God said, if you have the life you're in, I put you there for a reason. And I built you with a capacity, but I also gave you the thoughts to withstand the turmoil that's going to come against you. I gave you the thoughts that will transform your environment. Who knows if I didn't put you there for such a time as this? Well, God, I want out of all this. Well, then you got to want out of your blessing, too. you got to want out of your destiny, too. Because what is Daniel without the lions? What is David without the giants? What is Jesus without the cross? What is Jesus without Judas? What is Lazarus without death? you got to have the pain, but it's okay. Take the pain, but think different in the pain. Lazarus was dead, and Jesus said one thought. What if you got up? And here's what I'm telling you today. What if you got up? What if you got up? I'm not coming in the tomb with you. 
not coming into that negativity with you. I'm not coming into that death situation with you. I'm standing outside the tomb and I'm calling you to life. I'm calling you to a new place. I'm calling you to think different. I'm not going to get in your stinking thinking. I'm not going to get in the seat of the victim with you. Lazarus, I'm not coming in. I'm standing at the door speaking to you about the life you were called to live. There's more for you than where you're stuck at. But you won't get unstuck by adulting the way the world adults. It will only happen when you start saying, all right, Holy Spirit, I'm taking your seeds in, taking your truth in, taking your life in. Think about this 40 years ago. I'm 39. Think about all the things that didn't exist 40 years ago. If you don't know, I'm going to blow your mind. Selfies were not a thing. Thank God. I'm going back to 40 years ago. (laughs) Filters, you know. The dog ears were not a thing. No one, no one put dog ears on their pictures, their face, the, the, the molds your face to look skinnier than you are. Hey Amen. Praise God. I don't know why you're doing that. Febreze. Febreze did not exist. It was a smelly place 40 years ago. You ready? Chipotle did not exist. No corn with the salsa and, the, you know did not exist. You could not go through a line and get Chipotle. The diaper genie to all my parents. <sighs> Praise God for the diaper genie. The Swiffer did not exist. FaceTime, emails, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Streaming music was not a thing. Robot vacuums. Cold brew. Thank God for the last 40 years. Netflix and chill did not exist. Costco did not exist. Google. Gummy vitamins. Oh, praise Jesus for gummy vitamins. Did not exist. You had to take real vitamins. You had to eat your vegetables. Chicken McNuggets. Did not exist. Nintendo 64. Space shuttles did not exist. Memes were not a thing. GPS. We used maps. Like paper. My dad would get out of the car and pull out a map on the hood. And like, we'd be stuck for hours sweating while my dad. Nirvana was not a band. You two, Backstreet Boys, Mariah Carey Christmas album had not been cut. The Beebs was not born. The Raptors team that just won did not exist. Michael Jordan was maybe in high school being told he shouldn't play basketball. This was a stock exchange. And all of it exists now. Because one person thought different. One person chose. There has to be more to the raw material. I'm telling you, if you start thinking, I know it seems like this has been here forever. No, no, it hasn't. God is waiting for the revolutionary people to come to this earth that will think different, that will use their life different. So what I do, it's just, I'm at this location. Well, someone walked into this stock exchange and saw nightclub, Shake your booty, get drunk, get high, make a lot of money. 
I came into the same stock exchange and saw Jesus, freedom, church, people getting saved, people getting set free from a day. Same place, two different thoughts. I know you're in the place and you can't move the place, but can you get a new thought? God's saying, I could win with your life. I could win with this team. I could win as the coach. And we keep saying, God, let me coach this thing. And God's saying, no, let me coach this thing. When you let me coach this thing, we will change the score. When you let me coach, God, but I don't have all I need. It's okay. Who gave man his mouth? It's okay. I gave you everything. you. I gave you the raw materials. All you need is one thought. And you'll see something you've never seen. But in this progress of life, we have perception. Our thoughts are sown into our perception. And the Bible says that we stand and fight against the wiles of the devil. What's that word, wiles? Weird word. It's, it actually is the word meta hudos. Somebody say hudos. Hudos. Meta hudos. I don't think I'm saying it right, but it sounds cool. It means. The word wiles means with a road. So when we put on the armor of God, we're fighting the wiles of the enemy or the roads of the enemy. The Bible also says that we don't need to be ignorant to the devil's schemes. That word schemes is the same word that we get for mind games or intellect games. So the devil fights your mind and how he fights it is with a road. When I got sick about two years ago, I got sick because I had several worn down roads in my life, patterns, ways of thinking that were natural to me, that were common to me, that I saw as holy, that I saw, I said things like, we'll sleep when we die. Did you know that's not biblical? Did you know that's not Jesus? That Jesus wants to give you rest? That Jesus wants to give you, oh, we're going to grind it out all night. Well, that's not Jesus. Get some sleep and I'll wake up in the morning and God's going to give me some new stuff in the morning. His mercies are new every morning. If you don't have mornings, you are missing the mercies. But I believed a lie. I believed those thoughts so much that I've even made them holy. And the Bible says that the enemy fights you with a road. And the road is paved straight towards your mind. And we call, the Bible calls those strongholds. Those roads that the enemy protects, those roads that the enemy cultivates, he takes even the thoughts that come from God, he'll take them and he'll put them in a stronghold. He'll protect those thoughts to make it happen his way. Let, let's, let's go through, can, can, we, can we just, just practical sense, let me label 10 of these protected ways of thinking. Is that okay? I've got seven minutes. I can do this in seven minutes. Amen. Praise God. Number one, the first way that the enemy creates a stronghold we know, we know that the enemy, the, the Bible says that God has given us the armor of God to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles means with a road. So God has given us the armor of God to stand against this. The road that Satan has created into your mind. Is anybody in this room ever felt like there was something that just pushed your button? Something that always happens when this happens, this is how I always think. You know, in the middle of the night, if I have a pain or whatever, I always think, oh, man, maybe I'm going to die. Maybe, maybe. You know what that is? It's a road. It's a road that's because that's not normal. It's a road that's been paved into my mind that comes every single time. So if I'm going to move on into maturity, i got to remove this road. 
Let me label some of these roads just to help you understand what they are so you can, once you know them, um, you can fight them. The first road that, that the enemy uses is personalizing. Everything is personal. Everything that ever happens is personal. It's always about you. It's all your focus is on you because everything that everybody ever does is, is to hurt you or to put you out or, or, to, or to abuse. Everything is personal. You take everything. Oh, it's not. Per- yeah, it's personal to me. Everything is personal. This is a pattern of wrong thinking. And let me just let you know these. These 10 I'm going to give you, I did not come up with. You know, you know where they, they study these is in correctional facilities with prisoners. These are ways that prisoners think, both in the cage and out of it. Personalized. Everything's about me. I'm, it's, always, it's always me. Everything's, everything has to do with me. Personalizing everything. No, the way they did that wasn't personal. The reason why they rejected you had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with them. They're insecure, they're fearful, and they don't like people. So of course they don't like you. The people that rejected Jesus, what did he do when they rejected him? He looked at him with love and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't realize they're rejecting me. It's not personal. Someone comes in and they're like, come on, preacher, dude. I'm not taking it personal. I'm not getting angry. Why? Because you're not rejecting me. There's something going on in your life that you've been rejecting God. And I'm just happy you're here. It's not personal. Come on, touch your neighbor and say it's not personal. Second thing we do is we magnify. We blow things up. We, instead of looking at things with natural eyes, we, we get this magnifying. We make an ant giant. We, we take, we, this is why the Bible says, before you get the speck out of your brother's eye, get the freaking plank out of your eye. You know why he's telling us the only way you can see a speck in your brother's eye is if you've got a magnifying glass. Look, we magnify things. We blow things up. We make it a bigger deal than it is. Look, it's not that big of a deal they didn't say hi to you. It's not that big of a deal that they forgot to say happy birthday on their Instagram to you, but they did it to everyone. Stop blowing things up. This is a bad pattern of thinking and protects the enemy in your life. Awfulizing. Number three, awfulizing. Everything is awful. Everything is awful when you live on this earth. Everything is awful. Like, everything's just awful. Like, do you have any good days? Is anything praiseworthy? Is it, we come into this room and we're singing, you're like, you okay? It's awful. Really? I mean, let's take you to a third world country and see people walking 10 miles to get water and find out if your life is awful while you drink out of your little sippy cup that stayed cold all day. Like, everything is not that awful. Like, we're going to do it. We're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it through. Everything is not awful. There are things you can find that are praiseworthy. There are things you can find that God is bigger than. Number four, jumping to conclusions. I do this. Oh, I'm so bad at this. I mean, just skipping go. Skipping $200. It's just collecting the debt at the end. You know, I got a bump on my neck. I look it up on Google, and there's 10 things it could be. Guess what? I have the worst of them, and I, I'm assured of it, and no one can talk me out of it unless I go to the doctor and I get four approvals that this is not this. I've skipped go, and I go all the way to the end. I don't know if you do this, but I expect the worst. You know, something happens. I'm like, oh, yep, they're looking at me. They're probably going to leave our church. 
They probably don't like us anymore. Oh, they didn't like that. They didn't show up a week. They, they probably just, they're talk, probably talking bad. They probably, they probably hate me. They probably, you know, all of a sudden people, you skip go and you don't realize that there are a lot of more steps in there and everything is not always the worst case scenario. Come on. It, it took a lot of faith to believe the worst. Why not put our faith in the best? I'm preaching now, but that's okay. Number five, mind reading is a bad pattern. We come in a room like this and we go, man, did you see how she looked at me? No. You know, she doesn't like me. Well, what's her name? I don't know. Have you ever talked to her? No, not at all. I remember this guy in our, our, our church and this girl came up to me and she was bawling, crying. She's like, that guy doesn't like me. And I said, okay, cool. Let's pull over. So I brought him over and his name was Robert and he has a lazy eye. And so he would break dance, and she said, every time he break dances, he stares at me. So I brought him over, and I, and I said, why are you staring at her? And he goes, I've never seen this girl in my life. <laughs> Dead serious. I go, well, she says you're staring at everything. Oh, goes, oh, pastor, I have a lazy eye. It just goes. <laughs> and I couldn't laugh. Because I'm like, well, dude, this guy is awesome. He's like... Just put it out there. And this girl's like, oh, hi. And they introduced and they became friends. Look, you can't mind read. You don't know what everybody's thinking. Stop thinking you know what everybody's thinking. Look, all that matters is what you're thinking. You know why you think they're thinking it? Because you still think it. As soon as you start thinking different about yourself, you don't care what anybody else is thinking. Thank you. Proud of you. God bless you. I'm going to be me. I'm going to wear my short pants. I'm going to grow my hair up. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And if you like that, you can like it. If you don't, you don't have to. There's a lot of churches in this city. Right? I'm going to do me. Not a proud, like, Forget everybody else, but don't let everybody else's thoughts you think they're thinking ruin your life. Stop wasting energy on what you think they're thinking. They're probably not thinking it. They probably just have a lazy eye. (laughs) That hit savage up here. Amen. Number six, negative filter. Everything is negative. Even when the glass is 75% full, it's 25% not. Pastors do this all the time. Man, there's like four chairs still empty. But did you see all those people that came? What about the people that do want to be there? What about all the people that are serving? Everything's negative. Every, and and how, how many of you guys have found once you get on the negative road, it just keeps going? Negative, 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 negative. And, and he's like, oh, man. And then you're hanging out with negative people and everybody's negative. And then you just feel like you need to take a bath because you've just been so negative. This is a negative thinking pattern. Number seven, emotional reasoning. I'm almost done. Making thoughts based on how you feel. Letting your feelings control your thoughts. I don't feel like God loves me, therefore he doesn't. Just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. I don't feel like God would say that. Well, he did. It's right here. (laughs) I don't feel like God would... I don't feel, no, no, we're not going to, we're not going to be led by our feelings. We're going to lead our feelings. We're not, this is a negative thinking pattern. So all the devil has to do is make you feel something and that becomes truth. So he can take a lie and make you feel a certain way. 
So you were highly blessed and highly favored till your car broke down. And now you didn't feel like God was looking out for you because your car's broken down. So all the devil has to do to mess up God's throne is break your car down. Okay, well, that's easy. Come on, we got to break off those buttons. And we got to say, not based on how I feel. I'm going to worship the Lord when I feel like it, when I don't, when I... Okay, emotional reasoning. Number eight, the blame game. It's always someone else's fault. Even when you apologize... It's like, I'm sorry you felt sad. I'm sorry you're so easily offended. I'm sorry, right? It's always someone else's fault. Why? Because we can't take ownership because we're scared that we're broken. Well, we are. That's okay. But we have a great Jesus that wants us to move on into healing and wholeness. Take ownership. No one else made you angry. No one else made you quit your job. No one else made you poor. No one else got you. It was me. What part did I have to play in this? I can't change you. I can't manipulate. I can't shift you. But I can change me. I can change how I think. I can change how I believe. So the next time someone's a jerk, you don't have to have a bad day. Be a jerk. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to drink a cold brew, and we're going to have a good time. Number nine, selective abstraction and selective focus. Here's the whole story, but you, you purposely leave things out. Your brain skips things that actually happened that were good. Like all of a sudden, God is just bad, but you forgot all the good times. You don't feel God's presence, so, oh, God just doesn't exist. But what about all the times you were crying at this altar? What about all the times God moved in your life? It was one bad time, and all you remember is that? Come on, you're having selective focus. Put your focus on the Lord. Put your focus on whatever is lovely, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just. The number 10, the last one is closed thinking. This is just how I think. This is just me. I'll never change. This is just how the church is. This is just how people are. People are just racist. People are just hateful. People are, no, no, not everybody's racist. Not everybody's hateful. Not, no, this is, we're not going to have clothes think. It's not always going to be like this. We're going to be the chain. L.A. is just a trash heap. L.A. will never be a good place. No, we are the children of the Most High God. The Bible says whatever is lovely, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is praiseworthy, Think on these things. Protect these. What could happen if you remove the devil's strongholds in your life? You remove his patterns and say, no, nobody. I don't. I know you came to steal, kill, and destroy me. You're not getting in my most powerful weapon anymore. This is my life. This is my joy. This is my peace. This is my comfort. This is my family. This is my dream. God, fill me up. Every seed I want you to water. Every seed I want. I want a new perception. Thank you for listening. If you have something you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or to find more information about Fearless LA.